0: Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with artistic director and principal choreographer Helgi Thomason and principal dancer Mathilde Fruste. This episode was recorded on Friday, May 8th, 2020, before the streamed performance of Helgi Thomason's Romeo and Juliet. Hope you enjoy. All right, and we are officially live. So um, welcome everybody to San Francisco Ballet's Shelter in Place, Meet the Artist Conversations. Uh, I'm Jenny Scholick. I'm the Associate Director of Audience Development here at San Francisco Ballet. And I am beyond thrilled to be joined today by Principal Dancer, Mathilde Fruste, and Artistic Director and Principal Choreographer, Helgi Thomason. Um, For those of you who live locally in the Bay Area or come to our performances, you know that these Meet the Artist talks usually happen immediately before a performance in the theater. Um, But as we have transitioned so much of our work online, um, including streaming of performances like the production of Romeo and Juliet that will be airing, Immediately after this at 2.30, we are also moving these conversations online. So please bear with all of us. Um, I always like to say if my little dog starts barking, I'm really sorry. We're doing our our best with all of our technology. Um, And we will try to take a few uh, questions from all of you out there on the internet. Uh, So please do just put those in the comments and I will pass them along to Helgi and Mathilde. So with no further ado, we will get going. Um, Helgi, Mathilde, thank you both so much uh, for being here with me today. I do want to just sort of acknowledge the weirdness of the situation we're all in and that we're doing this virtually so i'd just like to ask how you're both doing and how you're holding up on what someone told me was day 54 of
1: shelter in place
2: Mathilde, why don't you go
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> um it has been challenging uh, to be totally honest um it goes by w- waves or maybe weeks of um at the beginning we thought you would be um just for a few weeks so um, very motivated to stay in shape i had romeo juliet the performance in my focus and then started a few um pain because of training on in my kitchen or on the terrace so But now we created a whole community of dancers, and we support each other, and we take class every morning, no matter what—kitchen counter, or bathroom table, or whatever you can grab. Just do those roll overs, San Francisco ballet, and it has been actually great support. So, holding on.
2: (laughs) Well, in any case. um... It was hard to see us uh, open and closing opening night of Midsummer Night Street, mm-hmm. and finding out that uh, the next day the Opera House was gonna be closed. So that was very sad for everybody. Uh, we had worked on it, uh, on that ballet for a few weeks, and were ready. Uh, what I'm doing is basically having a lot of meetings on this format about uh, when can we come back, how do we come back, uh, how do we stay uh, secure and and everybody is, you know, distance. I think this is so hard because for me to plan is, it's so much unknown. It partly it depends on what the governor says, what the mayor of San Francisco, what she says, when are they gonna open the, the upper house? When are we gonna be able to get dancers into class in the studio, which they really need because they need to move freely in a big space because that's what they're used to. And that's part of their training. Um, So it's been that and dealing with in really basically making plans on how can we come back?
1: Yeah. Talking about the space, um, a few days ago, um, our teacher, Felipe, Diaz did an exercise, who was one of uh, Elgi's exercise. So he said a little, oh, that's one of Elgi's exercise. And I remember doing this exercise with you, Elgi, and you would always tell me to move bigger, dance bigger. And I was okay. in the kitchen and I was like, I can dance bigger. So you're right, we need space and we need to be in the ballet studio. Yes, <laughs> so.
2: definitely.
0: Yeah, I I think we're all so ready to be back in our building at 455 Franklin and at the Opera House. Just fingers crossed that we can do that soon. Um, I do want to focus in today a little bit on Romeo and Juliet, which Helgi choreographed and premiered in 1994, and which we'll be seeing a stream of today featuring Matilde and um, Carlo Delano from the company, and then which Lincoln Center will also be airing um, a capture of the ballet on Monday featuring Maria Kachikova and David Karapetyan. So two opportunities for all of you out there to watch this wonderful ballet over the next week. So um, with that in mind, Helgi, I would love to kind of go back in time um, and ask you a little bit about the creation process of this ballet. Um, Had you always wanted to choreograph a Romeo and Juliet? And what really sort of made you do it, take that step in 1994?
2: Uh, I had always wanted to dance the ballet Romeo and Juliet and I never had the opportunity. Um, Like the closest I ever came to it was when I participated in the first international ballet competition in Moscow where I had to present numerous solos both classical and more contemporary and I had gotten uh, a choreographer his name was Norman Walker to choreograph a solo for me. He had uh, come out of Martha Graham's company but he was very familiar with classical uh, ballet technique and he choreographed a solo for me to Berlioz's music of Romeo and Juliet it was called uh, Romeo Alone but that's as close as I ever came to dancing the role and um, but it was something that I always wanted to do and when we were my collaboration with uh, the Danish late Danish designer Ian uh, Warsaw um we had done swan lake together we did sleeping beauty together and at that time the company was looking for more full lengths and uh, so i chose to do romeo and juliet next and found out that um, mr warsaw had always wanted to design it so we were on the same page we had a great working relationship and um so that's how it really started. Uh, I got in the studio. I remember had a made a big chart, and I put it on uh, up against the wall, and I made you know squares, and this is the first woman, this is this, this is this, and whatever, because the music really tells you exactly the story. So uh, you know, I just I follow the music that way. And when I started to choreograph, it didn't mean that I would start from the very beginning with whatever dances I had available that day. I would do that part. Maybe it was the part of the, in the ballroom. Maybe it was the thing in the chapel. Maybe it was uh, the fight scene or whatever. And I got uh, Marty Pastoni um, to work with me on the fight scene. And the reason for that was that I always felt that I had seen other productions of it. But I always felt the fight scene was sort of not very believable, and uh, and so Marty and I we talked about that. And him being a, an instructor in fighting, both in films and a, and in the theater, we chose to use uh, swords that were very much the same that we used at that time, of, of, in a period of time. Which are much more dangerous. Which are much more um, heavier to to move around. So it all had to be choreographed. And um, it makes it more realistic and I I wanted that. So that's what really started.
0: Yeah. Did you know that you wanted to use the Prokofiev score? I mean, you mentioned the Berlioz for your solo, but was it clear that the Prokofiev was what you would do for the full length?
2: I think I I was very clear on that. I mean, uh, Berlioz music is beautiful, but I just felt that I had, In my teenage years, I had seen a film, Russian film, of Romeo and Juliet with uh, Galina Ulanova, who was a major ballerina. And at that time, it made a big impression on me. And the score, the, the story, everything. I had read the story, of course, in school. So I think it sort of, that was my first choice. So that's why I ended up with Prokofiev.
0: So Mathilde, um you came to us of course from the Paris Opera Ballet. So I assume you grew up kind of on Nureyev's version of yes. Romeo Yeah. So what was your kind of first impression of Helgi's version of the ballet when you came here and first began to learn it?
1: Um, well, first of all, my first impression of Helgi's Romeo is I was going to be Juliette, right? <laughs> so which in Paris Opera I never did Juliet. I did all the other parts, but never Juliet. And, you know, it's a dream role. So it was always on my heart. I was like, oh my God, I hope one day I'll be Juliet. I want to be Juliet. <laughs> and I remember seeing the casting and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I discovered Elgi's version at the same time as I was learning to be Juliet. So it's almost like there is no other version for me. <laughs> Elgi is is my language. It's the only way I know to be Juliet is Elgi's Roman Juliet. Uh, so I don't know if I'm really fair saying that is the best version in the world, but um, it's the way I learned it to be Juliet is Elgi's steps. So um, I would say something because Elgi just spoke about the music is um, on Elgi's version, it's really clear that in the in the music, uh, Juliet has a different uh, note. A music notes, uh, a theme, You can recognize Romeo has different notes, and and Elgie made sure that Juliet would dance on uh, notes, and then the music changes, and it's Romeo, and until the end of the ballet, each character keeps a certain notes. Until I re- I remember I was I'm supposed to be dead, and I can, and my nurse is crying, and it's the nurse of music. So Helgi made really sure that every character was always on the right music and it makes it really, really clear for the audience. So that's really great.
0: That's great. You you talked a little bit about Mathilde um, that, you know, Helgi's version was the first Juliet you performed. and It was a role that you always wanted to do. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how... You approach the role of Juliet, or how you understand Juliet's character—like what, who is she for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have any right to say who she. I can tell you who I think she is. Um, to me, Juliet. She, um, and I've I'm, I've seen different girls, and, and to me, Juliet she's not a rebel. Like, uh, she's a nice girl. She has a great education. She Everything was fine, she's happy, she she loves her dad, her, her dad loves her, she loves her mom even though it's a bit cold, but that's the way it was before. She loves the nanny. She's a she's a nice girl, no problem. And everything that will happen to her, she didn't decide it. It just happened. She fell in love with this guy and then she didn't ask Romeo to kill Tibalt and to start this whole exode and poison and thing like everything happened because she has a um, pure earth and she's in love, and she doesn't really think twice. Um, and for sure, she's not a rebel. I don't see her as as a rebel. Um, she doesn't want to change anything, you know. The two families—they don't love each, they don't like each other. But she doesn't want to pick a fight, like. But she has to. It's just the way it happens. So it's a bit of. Um, I don't say she's a victim, but I don't think she start a fight. So something like that. <laughs> That's great.
0: What are, for you, what are some of the particular um, yeah. challenges of the role of Juliet? Is it is it technical? Is it the emotional part? Mm-hmm. What challenge? Um,
1: I remember before um, dancing my first show, which I think actually that's the one you're going to see right after, um, I, of course, read the book in French. <laughs> and I remember finishing the book, Shakespeare, and being like, oh, my God. Or am I going to tell this story, tell to this guy, Romeo, that I, I will love him all my life and I love him so much and without choosing any words? Or am I going to do that when he has been written by Shakespeare with all those amazing words, really famous words, and me, I'm here, my child, and I can't see my words. So I have my face, I have my body, my arms, my knees, my feet. So I'm going to have to tell the story, those words, those very famous works that everybody knows without using any words. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the challenging part for me. But that's the beauty of ballet. We use our body and we don't use the world. So, the beauty of it. Yeah, that's, that's the
0: challenge you've uh, set for yourself in choosing this career, I yes. suppose. <laughs> yes. Helgi, oh, do you want to chime in there?
2: yeah no um, <laughs> um, I mean Mathilde said it very, very well, and I think uh, that's how I feel about Juliet. She is pre-spirited. Uh, but she um, she's very much innocent, and I think the role of Juliet is so challenging because you start she starts out being what, a girl of 15, 16 years old. And she has to show the, that enthusiasm and, and and carefree attitude. And then the next thing is the, the bedroom part of the, where after the ballroom scene, where she falls in love. At, I mean, balcony part of the, I'm sorry, balcony part of the, where she falls in love. And she sort of becomes overnight a woman. And then when we have the, departing, that he has to leave, Romeo has to leave, and see the bedroom part of it. She truly is um, a mature person, a mature woman. And I think to to be able to show those three differences within those two hours is is very challenging. Um, People sometimes talk about Swan Lake, you know, White Swan, Black Swan. I think this is much more challenging than that, to make it believable that her her sorrow when, when Romeo has left and particularly when uh, the bedroom scene, when the father comes in and, and with her suitor and she doesn't want to marry him. And he just says, you do what I tell you to do. Because that, I think that's how it was done in those days.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the, the, the daughters were commodity to the family. They were just used to enhance the family's either fortune or Influences or whatever, so there was not even a question that that she could refuse the father. Right. And I think to me, when he puts her hand on on Paris's arm and says, "This is it. This is what we're going to do," I can imagine her what emotionally what she went through, what she has to do because she has already married Romeo. And then that follows is, "What do I do about this potion?" that is supposed to put me to sleep and then I will wake up and Romeo will be there but what if it doesn't work can I do it you know and she goes through all that emotional thing to me that is a very powerful part of the
0: ballet for me yeah it's you know I think one of the things that's so that that, is sort of in what both of you are saying, right, is that Juliet is a, she's a, a real person. You know, she's a human, right? These are all, yeah. it's not a swan. She's not a, not a, that a princess is not, you know, a person, but she's not a princess. She's not a swan. She's not a right. fairy tale. She's this a, real woman. A human being. Yeah.
2: And I think that's why people love this story so much because they can identify with it on so many different levels.
0: Absolutely. Um, Helgi, you've had many, many dancers dance the role of Juliet in this production over the years. Um, what do you feel like is particularly special about Mathilde's interpretation? Is there something you can put your finger on?
2: Uh, <laughs> I, yes, I have had many different Juliet's and each one of them brought something to the role you know, that obviously I liked and, and, and their own own personality. I think what Mathilde brings to it is she really, for me, becomes Juliet, totally, from the very beginning. And she is like, she's not dancing it and analyzing it at the same time and, and this is what I have to do. I just feel it spontaneous. And that comes across in particular towards the end when her uh, dramatic role role requires her to really just pour it all out. And she does. So I think uh, it's wonderful to see.
0: Wonderful. So we got to take this production to Copenhagen Mm -hmm. uh, this fall, which I know was... I wish I could have gone. That was a tour I was really jealous that I didn't get to tag along on. Um, but it was a huge success. And um, Mathilde, I'd love to know what it was like for you to get to perform this production um, on tour.
1: Oh, it was amazing because um, when you go on tour with the ballet and with a company as a principal, also any dancer of the company, we become uh, ambassador. You know, we represent um, the company, the choreographer, the choreography, and the ballet. And going on tour with Romain Juliet and being Juliet, um, it's almost like being on a mission. You know, you, you represent your company. It's, um, it's a big honor. Um, also, we come from a place like where Elgie was before. And Elgie is really, is way, like, well-known for his choreography over there. And I think he, it was 10 years. Um, it, since we haven't been to Copenhagen. So it was a big deal. Everybody was waiting for us over there. Um so he had to the, you know, to the sparkle of being on tour and dancing this amazing ballet. And like, it was all good. It was, Copenhagen was beautiful. The ballet is amazing. Like it was all good. And if, we were able to travel. It was before this whole thing happened. So it's really, it's like the last tour before this whole thing happened. So, you know,
0: <laughs> made the extra special to me. Helgi, why was it special for you to bring this particular production?
2: Oh, there were many different reasons for that. I have to tell you, um, when I decided to choreograph this ballet and with collaboration with Jan Siak of Warsaw, um, we worked very closely. And um, before the, uh, when it was all coming together, uh, Mr. Warsaw was very sick. And he was unable to ever see this production on on live, on stage. I sent him little videotapes of of rehearsals and and what I was doing. Um, I had to, uh, matter of fact, he was unable to travel to San Francisco for the last stage rehearsals and costume fitting. So I had to do all that with his, uh, you know, I was on the phone with him and I'm saying this and this and say, well, you know what I want? Try to pull this more lift the skirt up a little bit or whatever it was you know i was there doing his job over the phone so this very very special to me Uh, and him being a very 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 well-known designer scenic designer in copenhagen and they had never seen this production so this for me was really special that um, the invitation i received from nicolai Hübbe, who was the director of that royal danish ballet to come and bring this production to copenhagen and we performed it at the big, beautiful opera house, new opera house. And it just looked so well on that stage and and people were thrilled with it. So for me, this was really something very, very special. Besides, it was sort of coming back to my, where I started my dancing career. I started in Copenhagen, not at the Royal Danish Theater, but at a theater called the Pantomime Theater. And uh, so this was um, very, very special for me.
0: I do want to take a moment to remind um, our audiences who are watching live that if you put a question in the comments, I am happy to pass it along to Helgi and Mathilde. But um, in the meantime, uh, uh, I hope that everyone is about to watch uh, this 2015 capture of Romeo and Juliet. And for both of you, maybe Mathilde first and then Helgi um, in thinking about the choreography, are there any kind of particular moments or details that, you know, you feel like an audience member should sort of really pay attention to? You mentioned that moment when the father takes Juliet's hand and, you know, places it on Paris's arm. And, you know, are there any other moments like that, that sort of little details help the story yeah.
1: come? There are so many of those, but um, two things. I would for sure mention... People watch really well the fights. Um, they are amazingly well choreographed and it's actually hard to even imagine they're choreographed. They look improvised, which is what you're going for, right? So it's truly amazing. Um, and also the third act to me, oh, I mean, even throughout the whole ballet, every little detail is for a reason in Elgi's choreography. You would, my, the fat would grab my hand this way it says something the mother would pull me on the floor this way it says something like all the acting little details that we work really hard on it um are truly important to me and of course the, all the pirates and the arabesque and all of this
0: Helgi <laughs> anything
1: to add
2: yeah i think for me is uh, the scene in the crypt when, when they the pr- procession and how i made the the family come to her to say goodbye where she's laying there how you see the difference between the mother who was never really how can i say close to the her daughter um and then you have the nurse and you know the nurse how how because uh, so it, it feels inside, this is so tragic to her more than almost in the mother. Yes, the father too. But there was a diff- slight difference in each one of them how they come to the and bid ph- farewell. And there were little things like that all the way through that I wanted to convey and, and show.
1: I, if if I can add, um, it's funny because when we read from Juliet, I read all the. The dancing part and acting part with Romeo, but I spend an amazing amount of time in rehearsal with the nurse because it's she it's the almost the strongest relation in that except with Romeo. But um, so Anita, uh, who plays my nurse, um, every time we rehearse from Madrid, I spend at least I don't know four five hours with her every day <laughs> rehearsing all this like this you know creating this relation with her. And so that's, that's something people can look for. So this beautiful relation, Giselle and enough. Love that. Yeah. The only, the
0: only question uh, we have gotten is one that we cannot answer right now, which is, is this production coming back next year? And all of, we cannot release any of that information right now, Helgi. I'm not going to put you on the spot to do it. We'll all just say, stay tuned. And we hope to announce next season soon.
2: Yeah, you know, next, next season is going to be announced very soon, and hopefully we can do a full season. It's I, you know, it's so unknown what we're doing here, but uh, this uh, I can only tell you this ballet is very, very close to my heart. So, for various reasons, so I, I think uh, who knows?
0: We hope. <laughs> well, we've all got our fingers crossed. I know I would love to see it live on the it's been a while since I've seen on the opera house stage so I would love to see it there too and I know our audiences would as well um with that I am gonna have to wrap this up because uh the stream will be starting any moment um but I want to say one more time a really big thank you to both Helgi and Matilde for taking some time today and chatting with me and with all of you out there um it was such a pleasure um, and I hope that you are both doing well and um, hanging in there through this
1: crazy time.
2: Well, we are trying. And
1: thank,
2: well, thank you very much for doing this. Thanks, Mathilde.
1: Thank you, Elgie. It was amazing talking to you.
2: Nice to see you. <laughs> Stay well.
1: Thanks for
0: listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.